greetings everybody once again welcome back to mentorship session um, today uh, we are going to go back into our questions i couldn't answer all of the questions the last time so we're going to go back into questions and um, i hope you're also ready with follow-up questions you know if you are here if you're able to ask follow-up questions um, if you have doubts if you have things that you have uh, genuinely struggled with uh, in understanding these topics you can ask me some of these follow-up questions so that it doesn't just finish with you know you receiving a, a, a teaching or a understanding just from my end that you would go a little further to understand um, based on your context based on your need that you will get to ask a follow-up question what I'm also going to try and do is uh, I'll also monitor the comments that come on live stream so if you have a follow-up question online I will try to speak and I'll try to see if there is a way that I can read out any of these questions as well how are you all doing otherwise uh, how has this year been so far for you good anybody feeling the turmoil anybody feeling the darkness surrounding you uh, it's it's not as easy as you thought it is going to be right so uh, that, that requires more hard work that requires more diligence that requires more understanding that requires for us to be careful about how we uh, deal with uh, what life throws at us uh, it requires us to be wise in how we react what we speak all of these uh, it, it creates a lot of uh, changes in in the atmosphere around us you know how we react to our circumstances we can react in fear or we can react in faith we can react in uh, a spirit of grace or we can react in a spirit of condemnation it's up to us how we react because the way we react is going to uh, build a system around us you know every word that you're speaking you're creating a system you're creating an environment with that word you're creating a, a, a law around you because you're telling the spirit realm around you this is this is what you get out of me every time you provoke me like this when you hurt me this is what you get when you speak down to me this is what you get when you um, challenge me this is who you who you will receive from when you are trying to bless me this is what you will get back you, you you're trying to tell the spirit realm around you how you're going to react how you're going to respond what are the things that really matter to you what are the things that really hurt you and don't hurt you so be very intentional as to how you're going to respond in this season amen um, because the enemy is trying to do everything possible I'm, I'm prophetically speaking to you the enemy is going to try to catch you off guard that's why Jesus said be alert and pray stay awake be alert watch and pray 
constantly keep your eyes open to see what the enemy is doing, what he is speaking, what he is doing. And you're not watching out for the enemy in order to glorify him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because some of us are so enemy conscious that I feel like we end up glorifying the enemy. That's not what I want you to do. I want you to be aware of the schemes of the enemy and yet not glorify him. Yet not give him that weightage. Yet not give him that, uh, that you know, credibility, uh, that, that glory that he is looking for. He, he's, he's trying to get you to praise him. Even when you're saying, oh, the enemy hurt me. You know what he, you're, you're doing? You're, you're praising him. Because that's his job description, right? What is his job description? He comes to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. So when you say the enemy is killing, you're like, oh, he's doing a good job at what he's supposed to be doing. Do you get what I'm saying? Like when you say God has been good to me, do you know what you're doing to God? You're praising him. Because God is essentially good. That is his job description. That is what he does in us. And for us, he lavishes his faithfulness. He lavishes his goodness upon us. And so when you are constantly talking about the goodness of God in your life, you know what you're doing? You're praising God. You're adding glory. You're giving credibility to God. But at the same time, when you're constantly saying the enemy is hurting me, he's killing me, he's hurt, he's destroying me, you're giving credibility to him. You're you're praising him, you're giving him glory. So instead, you have to change your language to say, yeah, he's trying his best, but I know the end. I know what season I am in. I know who lives inside of me. I know what will manifest through my words this season. I know who will manifest. I know who will exercise authority through my life in this season. I know it. And I will not let the enemy win no matter what. So I want you to be constantly articulating your faith. Do you remember that word? I think it was in the month of October or November. We taught from First John about how you need to articulate your faith. Constantly speaking out your faith. So in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of negative comments that surround you, in the midst of challenges and threats that surround you, your light has to shine. Your, your greatness has to manifest. Your goodness has to manifest. Don't allow the enemy to have uh, the joy of, uh, you know, seeing you bitter, seeing you hurt, seeing you um, in pain, seeing you in anguish or agony. Don't allow the enemy the joy of seeing you lose, lose the battle, lose your focus, lose um, your courage to pursue that, uh, that calling and the destiny that God has given you. Because if you allow him that joy, if you just allow him that space in your life where he can look at you and say, uh, you know, yeah, I, I've, I've had that inroads into her life or into his life. He's already won. You don't have to literally go to hell to lose to, or to make him win. 
you just have to make certain choices, say certain things right here, right now to make him win. And I, I pray that none of us will choose that. Yeah? Yes, we will have our weak moments. Yes, we will have our challenges that where we are not strong, where we uh, didn't prepare ourselves well. And, and, you know, in that moment of weakness, we got swept away. But that is when you have to keep going back to the presence of the Lord and asking the Lord, what did I do wrong this time? Where did I uh, open a door in my heart, in my mind? Is it through my words? Is it through my relationships, through my conversations? Did I allow anyone or anything too much access into my heart? How is it that I am, I am being... Uh, threatened or violated in this area. Be good students of what goes in and out of your life. You can't say the enemy is hurting me and you're not being careful of what and who has access into you and who you are associating with yourself. So if, if you're constantly being attacked and there is this series of um, failures and a series of hurts and a series of uh, problems and challenges in your life, you need to become good students of, of who you're associating with and what you're doing in your uh, daily receiving and giving. And the Lord will give you clarity. Amen? Amen. Are we ready to go into the questions? Before we go into the questions, anybody here have any comments, anything that you feel, uh, I'd like to know what did you learn from the first, the word from the first Sunday, anything that, that really spoke to you. I'm not asking you for your questions, I, I want to know if what you learned. I'd like to hear from you, uh, what did you learn? Even those that are watching us online, I'm reading your comments, so I'd love to know. Yes, Izzy, Izzy can go first. What did you learn? I'm talking about the sermon about Joseph. Yeah, what did you learn? You have a? He has a question. Okay, you can ask the question. Is, is this mic on? Is it on? Okay. No problem. You can use another mic. Uh, Somebody with the access to the console, if you can just increase that volume. Yeah. Okay, speak loud. I can hear you. Sorry? What's this question? How do you be born again? How do you get born again? That's a good question to ask, Izzy. Come, sit. I'll teach you. That's good. Why, why do you ask that, Izzy? Is there a reason why you want to know how to, how to be born again? Is there a reason? No? Okay. His question is, how do you? How do you get born again? This was a question. It's not a child's question, in fact. Uh, it, it was, thankfully, it was a question that was asked by a, a religious scholar, a theologian asked the same question. That is, he just asked. Uh, it says, Nicodemus, the, he, he was well-versed in scripture, 
He came to Jesus and he asked, What do you really mean by saying you must be born again? Because I'm already old. How can I be born again? How can I go back into my mother's womb? Because how are we born? We are born from a source that is physical in nature, a, a, a physical human being that you can see, somebody who has given birth to you, right? So he's, he, he's trying to look at this concept of being born again very logically and he's saying, I know I was born on so-and-so date and so-and-so year. How can I go back in time? How is it possible? Because, see, the, the problem with many of us is that from the day that we are born till today, we have done so many things that we regret. Don't we? There, is, there are so many things that we've said that we want to take back. So many things that we have, so many areas where we have engaged in that we are like, ah, that was a bad choice. So his question is, how can I reverse my trajectory to that point and start my life all over again? He's not really asking, hey, how does this work really, you know? He's also asking, how can I erase my whole life? Because that's what it really means to be born again. Being born again, it's not just a thing of, uh, okay, now I get membership to church if I'm claiming to be a born again Christian. That's, that's not what it is only. Being born again means you, you get a clean slate. You get a new beginning in your life. You get a brand new start. See, the previous start that you got you got it from a wrong source. As good and as nice and as amazing as your parents are, they're also sinful. All the way from Adam and Eve, every person who's lived on the earth, all of them have some element of sin in them. And so now today when we commit a sin, we're wondering, how, how is it that I'm just sinning? How is it I... I I, how is it that this just comes so naturally to me to, to lie or to do that or to say that? How is it that just, I don't even think or reason, it just naturally comes. It's because that's in our blood. That's, that's flowing in the humanity all the way from Adam and Eve, all the day, all the way from Adam and Eve's time. That's why Cain, the Bible says, Cain, he was in the field with his brother Abel. He was upset with Abel and what did he do? He immediately thought of killing him. He immediately thought of hurting him. He immediately thought of doing something so violent and tragic that will become the first murder in the Bible, the first killing in the Bible. And, you know, he became the, uh, the first guy to, to receive such a harsh punishment from the Lord. And, and how did it all happen? Do you think that, you know, Cain was a bad person? No, there was sin in his blood already. His parents did not commit a murder, but his parents, by their sin, Adam and Eve, by their sin, when they gave birth to Cain, they gave birth. They, from his birth itself, he was a sinner. It is not the murder that made him a sinner. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
the murder was also only a manifestation of the sin that was already in his blood so you can't say i have i have not sinned or i have not lied or i have not done something wrong all of us the bible says all of us have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of god which means there is nobody who is exempt to this uh, sin you know this sin that flows from our human parents who are also sinners that's why when jesus said you must be born again what he was saying is the way that you are going right now that is not going to help you have a relationship with god the way that you are going right now that is not going to take you to heaven the way that you are going right now you're behaving like adam and eve you must be born again of a different source not the way that you were naturally born but a way that you can be spiritually born that's why jesus said this uh, find the words for me in the book of john chapter 3 jesus said flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit if you can get me the verse and put it on the display as well sure read it for me that it's john 36 mm-hmm. flesh give gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to spirit john chapter 3 verse 6 jesus is explaining this is jesus answering the question that nicodemus had about how to get how to be born again you know Nic- nicodemus didn't understand how this works and so jesus is explaining to him saying this is how it happens it's not it's not the same birthday that you had 50 years ago nicodemus this is a different kind of birth because that birth was from a human flesh it was from the natural order this birth is spiritual in nature this birth happens because of a spiritual reaction a spiritual change on the inside of you which means we need to ask how can how can i be born again how can this happen in my life what happens how how is it that we can experience this same grace how can we be born again if we fast forward to verse 16 of the same chapter what does the bible say john chapter 3 verse 16 guys you know this by heart you don't need to wait for the verse to come up for for god so loved the world who is teaching this this jesus he is teaching this to nicodemus saying for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life so what jesus is saying is this when you believe in jesus jesus talking about himself come on talk to me who is he talking about when jesus said god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son he's talking about himself and he says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
So what are we believing? I believe first that God loves me. Not just that God loves the world, not just that God loves people in Africa, but that God loves me. I need to believe that. I need to come to terms to the fact that it doesn't matter what my life situation is. It doesn't matter if I've been a Bible teacher for the last 50 years without knowing and experiencing and understanding the love of God for my life. But I will believe that God has loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, for me. He has given Jesus, not just for the Jews, not just for Christians, but he has given Jesus to me. That whatever Jesus did, not just on the cross, his birth, his life, and his crucifixion, his resurrection, all of it was for me. I believe because God loved me, he gave me Jesus. And what does it say? That those who believe in him will have eternal life. And it says that they will not perish. See, flesh will perish. Yeah? Flesh will perish. But everlasting life. See, how many of you know that our flesh, it has an expiry date? All the way from the Garden of Eden, our flesh has an expiry date. Because God told Adam and Eve, the day that you eat of this fruit, you will die. Right? From that day onwards, our flesh, it has an expiry date. And yet, God is telling Nicodemus, the moment you believe in Jesus, you will not perish, which means your first life that perishes, that is not going to be the end of you, but you will have everlasting life. Which means you are now going to have a new life that will be birthed inside of you. You will be born again. Amen. Can we read verse 17 as well? John chapter 3 verse 17. Yeah. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but, but the world through him might be saved. This is what we need to believe. That the coming of Jesus, it was not to hurt us. Jesus did not come to point fingers at us and say, you missed this, you did this wrong, you, you're also a sinner, you're a bigger sinner, you're a liar. That's not why Jesus came to us. Why did Jesus come to us? He came to save us, to redeem us, to love us, to show us God's love. Now when you and I, when we believe this truth about Jesus, when we believe this truth about the Father's love for us, guess what happens to us? We are born again. We are born again. We don't have to be baptized to be born again. We don't have to even have church membership to be born again. We don't need to know Genesis to Revelation by heart to be born again. All that we need to do is believe that Jesus is sent for me. Jesus is the answer 
to all the sin that there is within me. Jesus is the solution to all my pain, all my worries, all my anxiety, everything that causes fear inside of me. Jesus is the answer. The problem is so many of us Christians who claim to be born again don't know this. Because we think, okay, I, I am a born again Christian because I, I am obviously baptized, you know. In what, which year? 1987, I was baptized, you know. So I, or I have attended this one revival meeting and I lifted my hands when the pastor said, how many of you would like to receive Jesus? So I am born again. Yet we don't believe that God really loves us. Yet we don't really believe that Jesus truly is the solution, is the answer, is the, is the one that God has ordained as a helper in our brokenness, in our failures to take us from death to life. We, 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 we believe that he forgives our sins, but we fail to appropriate that into everyday life. And I hope that Izzy's question about how to be born again will provoke some thoughts in for all of us. You have a follow-up question, Izzy? You can ask. Uh, if you have a, a brother or a sister, uh, <coughs> and if they, uh, like Cain and Abel, Abel, Abel Cain sinned by killing, hmm. Cain sinned, sinned by killing Abel. Mm -hmm. So Cain was born a sinner, right? Yeah. So was Abel also born a sinner? Absolutely. All of us. See, if you read Genesis chapter 3, it talks about how Cain and Abel, they brought sacrifices to God. Do you know what was the purpose of this sacrifice? The purpose of the sacrifice was to cover our sin. It's to say, you know what, I, I am a sinner, but this sacrifice, the blood of this sacrifice should hide my sin. See, today we have the blood of Jesus, right? Back then, they didn't have the blood of Jesus. They didn't understand Jesus yet, Cain and Abel. So that is why all through the Old Testament, when they would come to worship, when they would come into the temple, they would bring all these offerings of bulls and animals and goats and birds, and they will come and sacrifice these animals on the altar to say, by the blood of this animal, I hope, God, that you would cover my sin, hide my sin. Their sins were not forgiven, mind you. The only blood that can forgive our sin is the blood of Jesus. The Old Testament people, when they offered their sacrifices, you can find this verse in the book of Hebrews, when they offered sacrifices, that sacrifice did not forgive their sin. That sacrifice only kept the sin under wraps, kept it hidden. Meaning, they, this, let's say this is the blood of the sacrificial animal, it just covers the glass that is here. But is the glass still here? Yes, the glass is still here. But what all that it does is it is covered. Now nobody can see that the glass is here. But what the blood of Jesus does is it takes the glass away. So there is no presence of sin at all. 
so it's it's not just covered it is it is completely erased it's completely forgiven that's what the blood of jesus does for us so abel was as much a sinner as cain was yeah do you understand what i'm saying that yes it says in hebrews 10 verse 4 mm-hmm. the blood of it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats mm-hmm. to take away sins yeah read it completely next line verse 5 says therefore when christ came into the world mm-hmm. he said sacrifice and offering mm-hmm. you did not desire mm-hmm. but a body you prepared for me yeah so what jesus was saying is the the sacrifices that you guys did in the olden days in the old testament although it was mandated under the law of moses that is not what is going to cleanse us because the blood of bulls and goats and all these sacrifices it doesn't have the capacity to take away our sin all that it, it could do was temporarily pacify god pacify the heart of god and 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 keep the sin out of god's eye for a season but are you as are you still a sinner yes that is why all of us whether we are you know in the old testament days or in the new testament days all of us we are dependent on the blood of jesus to take away our sin and when we believe that jesus death on the cross jesus's work for us on this earth was god's expression of love towards us when we really completely truly believe that that is the point where we are born again that is the point when new life comes into us where it is no longer flesh giving birth to flesh but it is spirit giving birth to spirit when your parents gave birth to you they only gave birth to the flesh part of you they only gave birth to the flesh side of you but when when the holy spirit enters your life when the spirit of god enters your life when you put your trust in jesus and everlasting life is given to you it is spirit giving birth to spirit and from that point onwards you are a born again person so sometimes the the term born again has i feel like it's become so commonly used that we don't even know what it means we don't even understand what it means it just means that i am i don't identify according to july my 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 biological birthday my biological birth date and my biological birth parents i identify more with my spiritual birthday i identify more with my my, my spiritual um heritage i identify more with with what i can and am able to do because of my spiritual relationships i identify that better that is what you and i are saying when you say i am a born again christian amen and the bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth then you will be saved so so there are two things that you all of us have to do you have to one you have to believe with your heart and two you have to 
Confess with your mouth. So everything that I just said, you know, you, you, one, you have to believe in your heart that, you know, God really loves you. You need to believe in your heart that the blood of Jesus really can wash you. You need to believe in your heart that Jesus is truly the solution, the only answer that can ever fix all the problems and worries of our life. And you also have to confess with your mouth, which means what you believe in your heart has to now manifest outside. So when you get baptized, what you're also doing is you're confessing your faith publicly. You're professing your faith publicly. What you believe in your heart, you're saying it in front of everybody, saying, I belong to Jesus. I am a child of God. I am saved. I, I have Jesus living in me. That's what you're doing when you, uh, you know, get into the water and then you say, here I am. I, 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 I receive, um, I re I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Amen? Yes, is he? You have another question? One last question? Okay. I have one question. Okay, you can ask. One last question. Go ahead. One last. It's okay. Two more. Two more? Uh, yeah. Okay. You can ask them together. Uh, the first question is, uh, what if someone sees you making a sin, but then, uh, but then you um, build an altar to God, mm -hmm. and it covers the sin, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but but uh, if someone sees it, mm -hmm. they'll still remember. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, so how will it cover if they still remember? Mm. You see, that's a very deep question. <laughs> you have no idea how deep that question is. Because... God forgets our sins, but people don't. You know, God, the Bible says he, he forgets the fact that you ever lied. Can you, can you imagine God saying, I'll forget it? Can God forget something? Come on, technically, is it possible that God is like, oh, I have forgotten about this. But God is saying, I will remember them no more. It's almost like, He's saying, as far as the heavens is from the earth, that's how far I have separated your sins from you. Can you imagine? That's, 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 that's what God says about our sins. And yet, yeah. Uh, Hebrews 8 verse 12, mm -hmm. it says, and I will forgive their wickedness mm -hmm. and I will never again remember their sins. I will never again remember their sins. But the problem is, people will remember. And sometimes the enemy can use the voices of people in your life to make you feel guilty, to make you feel low, to make you feel like you're a bad person. The enemy can constantly make you feel, you know, less, less good about yourself. You know, so even when the blood of Jesus has washed you, covered you, taken care of your life, if uh, you would allow, you would believe the words of what people say, then those doubts can come back in. And that is why we have to constantly read the word of God. That is why we have to constantly 
engage with the Holy Spirit through prayer. Because just imagine this, Izzy. If, if I'm talking more with people than with God, then who will I believe more? People or God? People, of course, right? Because out of 24 hours in a day, 20 hours I'm hearing people talk to me about how bad I am, how I am a, you know, sinner, and how I have these challenges, these problems. I'm constantly thinking about it in my head. The only way to defeat that is for me to talk to God more, hear His heart more. When I read the Word, when I, when I read the Bible, for example, I just shared this scripture. What, what was that? Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12. The Bible says, God will remember my sins no more. The Bible says, God will not consider these mistakes that I have done. When, when I constantly keep meditating on what God has spoken, what God has said, what will happen is that I begin to believe God's heart for our life. I begin to believe God's voice for me. But many of us, we fail in doing that and we are constantly reading text messages more than we are reading the Bible. And that is our failure, that is our mistakes, and I hope that we can do that better. Does it make sense, Izzy? So you have to pray more, you have to read the Bible more, um, so, so that you don't, you don't keep believing what people say about you, but you believe what God says about you. Every time you have a doubt, you need to go back and ask, what does God really say about this? What does God really feel about this? Okay, one last question, Izzy. Because he said two questions, so I'm giving him that space to ask that. He has hijacked this whole session, guys. I don't know if you realize this, but he's not allowing any of you to bring your questions. But, but it's okay, easy. Thank you. Thank you for asking these important questions. Do angels sin? Because I think it says in the Bible, mm -hmm. no one else can be uh, as, uh, as perfect as God is. Do angels sin? Um, it's a very important question. Let me answer your second question first and then I'll talk about the first. Because when the Bible says nobody can be as perfect as God is, Bible is not talking about sin. You understand what I'm saying? Sin, or let, let me say it the other way. Holiness is not absence of sin. God is not holy because he has not sinned. God is holy because he is holy. He is beautiful. He is, in him there is no evil. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is not holy because he has not sinned. God is holy because he is perfect. He is the beginning and the end. He is the author of righteousness. He is the one who defines morality for us. He is the, he, he, he is the supreme one, the one who is on top, who knows it all, who understands it all, who is infinitely wise, infinitely un understanding. God is there, right? God is perfect. He is the ultimate revelation of righteousness is the ultimate revelation of holiness is the ultimate revelation of 
beauty. That is what makes him holy, holy, holy. That's why the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Yet, when they look at each other, they are not saying, oh, you are also holy. You know why? Because they are comparing themselves with the holiness of God. They're like, there's no way we are as holy as God is. Because he is far more righteous. He is far more beautiful than we are. He is holy. We are not. So th that's the reason why we can never compare angels or even ourselves with the holiness of God. The holiness of God is because he, it's, it's not because he does not sin. It is because he is perfect. He's, he's, he's the best, right? Now, coming back to your initial question, do, do angels sin? Um, yes, they do. The Bible says about how angels got kicked out of heaven because of their sin. Uh, the chief of them was Lucifer. Satan was one of the best angels in heaven. But he sinned. He rebelled against God. And so angels do have a capacity to sin. In the days of Noah, the one reason why the flood came was because there was sin. In Like angels were sinning along with human beings. That is the one reason why God had to destroy the whole world with a flood. So can angels sin? Absolutely. They have the capacity to sin. They have the capacity to rebel against God. God has not made any of his cre creations without the capacity to disobey him. You understand what I'm saying? All of creation, the reason the creation when, you know, scripture talks about how the trees of the field, they clap their hands. Scripture talks about how the heavens declare the glory of God. If their worship is genuine, it is because they have the capacity to not worship. For example, if I make a robot, they always take talks good about me. Will you believe that robot? No, why? Because I have programmed the robot to talk good about me. I programmed the robot in such a way that no matter what happens, no matter what I say or do, he will only say good about me. So that's not praise. That's propaganda. That's, that's what most of our media channels are today. You know, that's not genuine report. But if this is a person who has the capacity to rebel against me and still declares my glory, then I can put it in my word saying, hey, the heavens declare the glory of God. The one reason why the angels, their worship is genuine is because they have the capacity to not worship God. They have the capacity. They have the will to not submit to God. And that is why their obedience to God, their worship to God is genuine. And that the same thing applies to us today. God is not going to force any of us to, you know, just, just bow down, kneel down, and just, you know, no second chances, no option. God's not going to force himself on any of us. 
And the reason being that God wants our love for him, our, our worship for him to be genuine. Not to be fake, but to be genuine, to be a hundred percent from our heart, from, uh, you know, what we really desire. So coming back to your first question is the angels can sin. Angels have the capacity to sin. Um, and any angels that sin, they are all under the leadership of Lucifer, Satan. See, the, the thing, thing with, thing, the thing with sin is that it has to be because somebody or something is influencing you. Even us, when we sin, it is because somebody is influencing us, somebody is speaking to us. Sin cannot happen when there is no provocation from an external source. There has to be a provocation from the external source. In the Garden of Eden, things were right, things were perfect, till the serpent came. Till the serpent came and started giving an advice, started a full marriage counseling session with only Eve and said, let me teach you how to do your marriage well. Let me teach you how to pray. Let me teach you how to have a better understanding. And, and that presence of that serpent is what caused sin to enter in. So anybody that sins is under influence of someone else. It's under influence of, of, you know, for example, when you and I sin, do you know whose influence we are in? We are under the influence of our grandfather and grandmother, Adam and Eve. They are influencing us even today. With the blood that flows in our veins, it comes all the way from the Garden of Eden. We are under their influence. And that is why we say things, we do things, we behave in a way that is very much in line with the rebellion that started in the Garden of Eden. So we are also under influence. Sometimes we may be influenced by our grandfather, great-great-grandfather. The Bible calls him the first Adam. Or we can be under the influence of the last Adam, the second Adam, the Bible says, Jesus. It's our choice who, who should be influencing us. When we do things that is under the influence of Adam, it's a sin. We were with our prophet the other day and, and uh, one of the brothers, they asked uh, him, is it a sin to, they, 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 he didn't, they didn't ask him, they asked me, uh, is it a sin to smoke cigarettes? And uh, of course, me being the, the nice gentleman, I, I tried to, you know, beat around the bush. I said, you know what, it's, uh, it's not about smoking, it's about the fact that it is hurting your body and why would you want to hurt your body? And, and that was like, he got upset with me. He immediately stopped the conversation and he's like, he asked this question, what is sin? Let me ask you that. What is sin? Disobeying? Okay. Sorry? Anything that is unpleasing to God? Okay. 
going out of line okay there is a set line given going out of line what else come on guys we've been in church for so long and we don't know what sin is anything that is influenced by satan okay missing god's mark sin the literal meaning of the word sin is missing the mark that's that's what that's what it is missing the mark like you're aiming at a particular point you know if you're you're you you have a arrow you're trying to aim at a particular point you miss that mark you have sinned you've errored you've you've missed the point that is sin so then dad started explaining to us how sin is not necessarily about what can i get away with can i just watch a little tv and get away with it can i just uh tithe this much amount and get away with it and not be called a sinner can i can i just not do this and get away instead it's about did i miss the mark did i miss the mark for example if if you were supposed to be praying at this point and 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 you did not pray but you thought you can um you can do something more useful guess what happens you've just sinned you've missed the mark it may not necessarily actually be so called sinful right if you clean your house instead of praying is that is that sinful no but let's say that that day god wanted you to be praying okay vice versa is also correct that day god wanted you to clean the house but then you're like i have to i have to just pray everybody's on the pray app you know when and there are so many people on the pray app how can i not show myself you know even if i'm not praying i have to be online there you know yeah some of us we are online all the time that's that's amazing but i hope you are praying also but but you know the the, the thing is when we do something even if it is even if it is spiritual in nature but that is if we are missing the point of what god wants us to do that's a sin we've missed the mark so everybody is capable of sinning everybody is capable of sinning and we are all sinning because we are under the influence of the blood that flows in our veins and that is where we have the holy spirit can we finish all of is these questions with one answer with one verse in the bible yeah let's go to romans chapter 8 verse 14 there's a very uh, well known scripture romans chapter 8 verse 14 what does the bible say for as many as are led by the spirit of god these are the sons of god which means i'm i refuse to be led by my blood which is flesh you remember john 3:6 flesh gives birth to flesh but spirit gives birth to spirit so i refuse to 
be influenced and be led by my blood. I refuse to be influenced and be led by my circumstances. Oh, what to do, Pastor? You know, everybody in the room. No, no, no. You can't, you can't give that as an excuse in saying, they influenced me. If you didn't have the Spirit of God in you, then I can understand. But now you have the Spirit of God in you. You and I, we don't have the excuse for sinning. Because we are not the, 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 the blood that is flowing in our veins is not more powerful than the Spirit of God that is inside of us. It's, it's our choice. Who will influence me right now? Will I love the blood or the Spirit? Who are the sons of God? Read it one more time. For as many as are led, everybody say led by the Spirit. So I pray that this season the Lord would give us grace to be led by the Spirit of God. Not led by, you know, doctrines. Oh yes, I have believed this, I have prayed this, I have been, I've gotten into the water on so and so days, so I am, it's a, you know, son of God. No, no, no. You're not led by theology or doctrines, but those who are led by the Spirit of God, as many. Because there are many who are so-called children of God, but they are not sons of God. There are many who believe, and yet they don't practice that belief. So the best way we can really avoid a lot of traps in our life is to be constantly led by the Spirit of God. Constantly. Everything that you do, would you ask the Lord, is this something that you have in mind for me? I, I'll tell you my, my experience. Every time I have not asked the Lord his opinion about something, I have erred. I have made a mistake. I have said things, done things, um, engaged in things which missed the mark, which on the outside it may not even look sinful, but it was. It was sinful. Why? Because we missed the mark. And that's true about all of us. I hope that we can uh, redefine sin to be not just something that we will you know, be very nice and spiritual about it, but we, we say, okay, this is something that everything in, in, in my life, everything that I do, it, is, it has to be a result of a close relationship that I have with the Holy Spirit. So, when you go back today, uh, the first question you ask is not, what should I eat? What time should I sleep? The first question I, you should ask is, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me today? What is the Holy Spirit doing in my heart today? What is He, what is He releasing in me right now? How, how can I be sensitive to His, His heartbeat for my life? One more time, say that scripture with me. I know it's not on the screen. Don't put it on the screen. I want you to get it by heart. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. One more time, Romans 8.14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, 
These are the sons of God. One more time, Romans chapter 8 verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So, no matter what you have to say to justify your actions, if it is not led by the Spirit of God, denounce it. You know, just say, I, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, I was wrong, I did wrong, I sinned, I fell short of the mark. That, that was not what God had intended me to do and that's not the standard that he has kept for me to live by. Amen? Amen. Thanks to Izzy. Yes, yes, Pato. You said about Joseph, like, uh, we know the point from the pit to transition from to the palace, like, uh, like how, you, how you say, like, how, like, we see the, the difference. But he, one thing we see that when it happens, he didn't go back to again Israel. He waited for the all, I believe he waited for the family or he waited for the, his brother to come back. Like something like same if happens. So what would be response? Like we should wait for the particular God's time. Like we see that Joseph waited. He not gone to again to their family or relative, but I believe he waited and he prayed for them. So same thing happens. So what would be the, from pit to palace, like what would be our response like? So your question is, when God blesses you, should you go back to the pit or is that what you're asking? Yeah, if God bless you, he, he, he still he waited in Egypt, he not gone to meet to his parents or mm. his brother, but he waited, let them come mm. and then that is my real question. Like. So sometimes, the reason I'm saying, sometimes some people consistently like putting hearts and give you consistently the things situation happening. Like if you're pouring love, they're hurting. If you're pouring love, they're hurting. If you're pouring love, so one another like you, they're giving you slap and one another slap. So on that note, like when we see the life of Jesus, he wait and take a pause. He said, let's, I will not go definitely. When they come back, I will show their love. I think that is the right the wise way to do things. When you see that somebody doesn't have the capacity to love you, to honor you, you can take a step back. You can draw boundaries around yourself. In the name of love, you don't have to allow people to constantly trample on you. See, David honored Saul but he didn't stay in the palace saying, okay, you have more javelins to throw at me, here I am. Oh, this time you throw a javelin, next time try throwing a hammer at me. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't sit there. He stayed away. Did he still honor Saul? But he stayed away. So, not every time should you, does honor require for you to stay in the same location and uh, stay in the same atmosphere where you're being hurt and abused. Um, there are some places where you should not run away from. One is, you know, even if you feel like God is hurting you, don't run away from God. You can express it to Him. You don't have to run away from God. Your marriage, don't run away from your marriage because you're feeling hurt. Your church, or the man of God you've, you've been blessed with, 
uh, if you are convicted that this is your house, that this is your your um, your spiritual home, then unless somebody sells you out from here or kicks you out of the church, don't run away. Because that's not what Joseph did. Joseph did not take things in his own hand and say, okay, these guys don't understand my vision. Let me go start my own palace ministry. That's not what Joseph did. He waited for, for, for him to be literally kicked out of the house. You know, he, he was not by his own choice. He told this to the guy who was in the prison. He said, I, I, didn't, I didn't come here by my own accord. You know, I was forced into doing this. I was forced into slavery. So that's not how you uh, receive help. That's not how you respond to hurts. But every other relationship other than these three, what are the three relationships that I mentioned? Your relationship with God, your marriage, and the church, your spiritual parents and your church where God has placed you. These three relationships, don't run away from these three relationships. Stay faithful and, and receive help, you know. But any, any other relationship that is outside these three relationships, if there is hurt coming, if there is pain coming, you have the right to draw a boundary around yourself and just, you know, walk away to to not be in that environment again. Uh, and when it is the right time, when it is the right season, God would bring them, you know, to acknowledge that you, you, uh, you are not bad. You know? When is the right time? Sometimes that right time may happen on this side of eternity. Sometimes it may happen in heaven. But that time will come. That day will definitely come. So you don't have to you don't have to worry about the timing. Just wait on the Lord. But it is necessary that you draw boundaries around yourself so that you don't keep getting hurt by the same person. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much, Dad, for this opportunity. I have a question. How can I discern that which is my battles and which which are not mine. I mean to say, many times I heard if I pray for someone, uh, for some issue, uh, I heard that, like, if I pray for any area, I heard that this is not given to me. Like, how can I discern that whether this person or this area or this, this issue is given to me to pray, to battle, or not? Um... Why, like, how do you arrive to that battle? Yes. Like, uh, no, my, no. my question is, who introduced the battle to you? Like, did somebody touch you and say, pray for me for this one thing? Yes. Or did you read it in the newspaper that this is happening? I need to pray about it. Or mm. did you hear a word from the Lord saying you need to pray about it? How do you, what, what happened? What, what mode did it arrive to you? Some from family, some from friends. Mm -hmm. It's a request, prayer request. Okay. A prayer request comes to you. So your question is, should you take it up as, a, as, as your battle? I don't think you should. You should, you should become a good intercessor mm. 
you should become a good uh, you know uh, a good prayer warrior for that person you can you can stand in the gap and say lord please help lord please have mercy you know abraham he was a good intercessor for sodom and gomorrah but never did he say okay i am going to sodom and gomorrah i am willing to die in the in the fire and the <laughs> did he do that no. that is saying oh this is my battle this is my city i embrace the fate of the city because it's very dangerous to embrace a battle which is not yours because the fate of the battle will also become your fate so you you can still be a good righteous faithful friend of god like abraham was and stand in the gap for a sodom and gomorrah from the outside without embracing that thing as your own battle whereas when it came to lot do you know what happened when when it came to lot come on guys tell me the story you know the story there was somebody who captured lot what did abraham do he entered the battle he put his life on the line he didn't just stand and pray saying god if it's your will you know can you please bring lot back when it was lot he he went in full force saying guys let's go he took all the 300 people you know at the 350 people i think in his in his sorry 380 or 318 318 people in his household trained warriors in his household he said this is this is our battle this is lot we are talking about we we can't let this man go this is part of you know my history my this is going to be part of my destiny i have to engage in this battle so abraham knew when to engage in a battle and when to not engage in a battle abraham knew and it is also because of certain covenant relationship you know because if you study the relationship between abraham and lot lot followed abraham when abraham heard the voice of god god didn't call lot god called abraham when abraham obeyed god lot said where you go i will go yes halfway down the line he found the uh, the gulab jamun of kamnahalli better than you know the the biryani in hormaogra so he said okay let me settle in in kamnahalli there are more outlets there there are more food places uh, this prayer center in hormaogra it doesn't look very appealing guys i'm just contextualizing please nothing wrong with kamnahalli uh, you know like lord just lost this direction half faith but lot was somebody who like ruth she said to abraham like ruth said to naomi lot said to abraham you know what i want to follow you i don't know much about this god that you're following i've not heard his voice i have not had that encounter that you've had that encounter but i'm going to be by your side i just want to be with you that's that's the reason why i believe abraham put everything on the line to go out for lot so if you find somebody like that in your life who is willing to follow god's instructions for you and they are clung to you they are they held on to you 
you put yourself on the line to fight for them no problem but don't please don't die for sodom and gomorrah you know if, if it is for lot no problem if you have people you should understand as as pastors we are constantly surrounded by people that we love we are we are very compassionate towards them but i'll tell you this honestly i don't put myself on the line for everybody i don't all the pastors here i'll give you the same advice all of our pastors watching we have pastor sapna and agustin watching from delhi um you know any of our pastors watching let me give you the same instruction don't put your life on the line for everybody you have to closely study who is the root in my house who is the who is the ones that are following god's instructions to me when the lord is leading me to go to bethlehem who are the ones that are clung tightly to me they are the ones that i am going to put everything on the line to fight for but if if there is if there are people that are you know just there they are maybe even part of my assignment i will i will pray for them i will stand in the gap for them i will wage warfare for them i will intercede i will bargain with god for them but i will never say lord here i am take me you know so so that's the difference um are there more criterias i'm sure there are more criterias by which you would know if uh, somebody is your assignment or your battle or not uh there was this one story in the bible where um david you know he is very upset with nabal you know the story where david the bible says he was so upset with nabal and he's like this guy he he didn't give me food i am upset with him i am going to go kill him i'm going to go hurt him you know david in a way he was offended personally offended that nabal didn't uh, serve him food that nabal didn't do what he wanted him to do so he was engaging in battle because of a personal offense abigail met him halfway into the journey and said why do you want to take the blood of this man on your hands let this guy go guess what happens the guy dies god fights for david it would have been wrong for david to engage in this battle i think that some of our battles that we engage in it's just pure emotional things oh man i heard this story i have to now pray for everybody who is addicted to drugs but do you have the grace for it do you have the unction for it you stand you pray you you definitely do what abraham did to sodom and gomorrah don't do what abraham did to lot there's a big difference yeah you you have to always discern how much how much should i give myself how much should i keep back and how much should i give myself that's a good question over to dave i'll come back to you dave. we have um two questions online yeah it says in regards to speaking in tongues can you please elaborate a few things i have two questions one 
tongues in the context of a newcomer to church mm-hmm. to the role of tongues in the life of a believer question 1 how do we use this powerful gift for our blessing and yet not let this be a roadblock for someone who walks into church mm-hmm. for the first time to experience jesus and what is the wisdom we need to practice in regards to tongues in church when we have newcomers question 2 mm-hmm. what to do as a pastor when i see someone who has been in the church for a long period and growing but hasn't yet received the gift of speaking in tongues do we continue to encourage them to mm-hmm. believe for it or are we to conclude that tongues is not for every believer this is from pastor augustine okay that's uh, that's a good question um i i'll tell you the the big difference between praying in tongues in the church in a in the assembly or the gathering of of god's people and praying in tongues out in the open when there are unbelievers present when you're when you're speaking to people outside praying in tongues is very powerful i have done a full session on this i don't know if you guys remember that uh if somebody can pull up that link and share it on the on the comments on my channel uh, people can go back and listen to it again um praying in tongues is a very powerful tool that the lord has given us uh we can practice it publicly and we can practice it privately we can do it both we are allowed to practice it publicly and privately but when you come to scripture certain scriptures that apostle paul said he said you have to be very careful when you're speaking in tongues because if you're only speaking in tongues but people don't understand what you're speaking then it is a problem because they will be left very confused please understand the context of what he's saying he's saying that when somebody's addressing the church he's not talking about praying in tongues he's talking about somebody who is addressing leading in church for example if i stand up here on a sunday morning and i feel like uh today my heart is drawn to malayalam so i don't care if you guys understand or not but i'm going to talk in malayalam i'm going to sing in malayalam then it is of no point because i'm not standing here for my benefit you understand what i'm saying i could have done this from the audience you know i didn't have to come on the stage take up the mic turn on the mic and you know put the focus on me and then sing in malayalam and then preach in malayalam there's no point because i didn't come here for just my private moment with god i came here because now i have a word from god for you right so now i have to become a good student of how do i translate what is happening in the heart of god to you in your language in a way that you can understand not just in english but i have to break it down for you to be able to understand that is why when i was answering these questions i was constantly trying my best to not speak very spiritual terms like redemption and reconciliation and you know uh, all these 
difficult words in scripture that he will not necessarily understand. I was trying to use words that will make sense to him. I was speaking to all of you, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking, okay, Izzy has to be able to get what I am answering. So even if I'm speaking in English, I can speak in a way that you don't understand. You understand what I'm saying? And Apostle Paul is saying, what's the point of doing, a, doing that? It is better that when you're on the stage or when you're given a mic, that you speak five words that people can understand than speaking 10,000 words that people can't understand. That is what Apostle Paul is saying when he's saying, don't just speak in tongues. If you're trying to speak in tongues, make sure somebody else is interpreting what you're speaking. Which means if I, am, if I feel led to do Malayalam, somebody has to stand here and say, okay, I understand Malayalam, let me translate it to English for the benefit of everybody else in the crowd. The same thing, if I'm in the spirit and I'm like, today my whole sermon has to be me speaking in tongues. Then somebody with the gift of interpretation has to come stand next to me and interpret it for me. Or else I have to speak a statement, let's say that I speak in tongues, then I will wait for the Holy Spirit to give me interpretation and then I will speak the interpretation to you. So there was a season in my life where I couldn't prophesy without speaking in tongues. Where I would have to speak in tongues and as I speak in tongues, I would understand my, in my spirit what God is saying about this person. And then the next statement that I would make would be me interpreting what I prayed in tongues for that person. You understand what I'm saying? So that is okay, that is fine. But if I stand up here just taking up the whole service just preaching in tongues, just speaking in tongues. So Paul, when he said, don't preach in, or don't speak in tongues, he was trying to bring order in the church, in the church service, in saying, you know what? Don't, don't use a language that doesn't make sense to newcomers, to people who don't understand what you're saying. But honestly speaking, the people that come to our churches today, they don't have a problem with us speaking in tongues as much as they have a problem with us assuming that they know everything from the Bible. You're like, then God said in the book of Ecclesiastes that this is how the sun has to... I mean, they have, they have no idea what you're talking about. You're so disconnected from them when you're sharing the heart of God. That, that is a bigger hindrance than you speaking in tongues for a few minutes. You understand what I'm saying? So it is not just the powerful power of the powerful act of speaking in tongues which is an hindrance to newcomers. It is also our inability to discern where this person is in his walk with God, in his, in his relationship with God. Sometimes you will not know. I mean, the, the bigger we grow as a church, the harder it becomes for us to discern or understand everything and everybody. But as you stand, there are some Sundays when I've come up, I have felt like I have to, I have to take longer to explain certain things. Like the, the Sunday when I was preaching on governance, the first Sunday, I had come fully prepared to finish the word in 60 minutes. That my, I had my target in my head, 60 minutes. 
But when I started, I felt like the receptivity was so poor that I had to take time to explain certain things. So even though I had, I had planned this verse to this verse, first 15 minutes, this verse to this verse, next 15 minutes, I had planned it properly. But when I came up, the first, you know, 30, 45 minutes itself was what I should have shared in 5 to 10 minutes. You know, the, the whole story of Joseph, what he experienced at home. The, the reason I had to engage in it longer was because I just saw so many of the things that I was saying bouncing back. I'm like, okay, I need to take more time. So for me, it is uh, a little opposite to how it is for dad. Dad, the more you engage with him and, you know, speak to him, the more he will give you. For me, the more you don't engage with me, the longer I'll preach. <laughs> you know, uh, for dad, the more hungry you are, you know, the, the longer he will preach. For me, the less hungry you are, the longer I preach. So, so if you want me to finish my sermons on time, come with a very hungry heart. <laughs> yes, come, come with a very receptive heart. <laughs> then it becomes easier for me to teach you when, you know. But when I sense that, okay, this is, this is not helping somebody. This is not making sense to somebody. There are people who are like asking questions. There are people who are, who are constantly, um, you know, fighting this in their head. That is when I'm like, okay, now I have to go down to scriptures, give them more proof. So then there'll be scriptures and stories that I had not originally planned to share that I'll pull it out and then I'll begin to talk about it. Why? Because I don't want to be that guy that is just speaking in tongues and nobody gets it and just goes away. I want to be somebody who is very sensitive to what is happening in this environment and give in accordance to what is being understood. Coming back to the topic of speaking in tongues. Can we speak in tongues when unbelievers are in our church services? I think, yes, we can speak in tongues. It is because there are different kinds of speaking in tongues. There is a praying in tongues and there is a preaching or prophesying in tongues, right? Can we all pray in tongues? Can we all sing in tongues? Yes, we can. But singing and praying is to the Lord, right? But preaching and prophesying is to people. So the singing and praying part, can we do it even when unbelievers are here? Absolutely, we can do it. Yeah, they will not understand every bit of it. Like there are going to be so many elements of church service which they will not be able to understand 100%. But speaking in tongues is a very powerful element that we, in fact, Apostle Paul says, don't stop anybody. Don't forbid speaking in tongues. Which means we can come in a service like this and we can go, you know, all out in tongues. And it is very, very powerful. Yeah? But at the same time, if we don't help make it sense for people, if we don't translate it for people, many of the times, I don't know if you've noticed this, when the prophet, when he's ministering to us, he will say, can everybody start speaking in tongues? Yeah? 30 seconds later, he will begin to give us information. And you know what happened? When you were speaking in tongues, you were speaking mysteries in the atmosphere. 
all of us when we are speaking tongues we we are unlocking certain things we are making it easier for the translation to flow later so speaking in tongues in a public service is as powerful as speaking in normal regular language especially when we are speaking in tongues depending on the holy spirit sometimes i i i'll i'll also be honest to admit that in the pentecostal church speaking in tongues has also become a a ritual which is a sad thing you know it's also become a a transition uh, i i i don't know what next statement to say so let let me just speak in tongues you know that don't use speaking in tongues as a crutch like that it's a very powerful thing it can be misused and abused but if you use it correctly oh my god it can unlock so many different realms that is hidden this particular teaching that somebody has shared it on the i think somebody from the media team they've shared it in the comments uh, i i hope that somebody can also share it on the channel you have to go back and listen to that teaching i i think we did it during uh covid times the early covid times i feel um and it was a teaching where i didn't have much hair uh i look much more saner in that video but the but the word is as as powerful so please go back and relisten to that teaching on speaking in tongues it's something that you can um you know listen to it and study and because all of it is based on scripture and as you listen to it again let some of those keys be freshly activated for you and so speaking in tongues we should not forbid it we should not stop it um we should be mindful of new people coming into our churches but at the same time we should not be um we should not be not speaking in tongues because new people are coming in okay uh we have to learn to interpret it for them translate it to them where we have to help them understand why we do what we do you know the the thing is many people say oh wait paul said we we prophesy in part oh it is only in part so don't prophesy no 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 that's not the solution the solution is saying okay lord yes we prophesy in part but will you give us a little more will you give us more information yes we we speak in tongues paul didn't say okay absolutely stay quiet he said if you want to really you know prof preach in tongues then ask for interpretation so if you if i ask you to go pray for somebody and you only prayed in tongues for them then you need to ask god for interpretation of what you prayed is it possible that all of us can interpret absolutely it is absolutely possible for me how it happens is i pray in tongues and then i immediately allow the lord to speak through me and i begin to speak by faith and then to my surprise so many times this has happened so many times that the next few things that i start speaking it is uh, so powerful it is so unique it is so different it is not what i would have planned or prepared to say it is something i know and i know and i know this is coming from the heart of god so it's a it's a good principle especially when you don't know what to pray for somebody like 
if if some of you have come to me after a church and said uh, please pastor pray whatever is on your heart you will immediately hear me speaking in tongues sometimes if i have something already on my spirit i'll release it but if i don't have something especially when you hear me speaking in tongues it's because oh my my mind is uh, you know blank i don't have anything to give you i'll immediately go back to the lord and saying you know lord release something i'll speak in tongues and then i will begin to interpret what i heard what i sensed in my spirit while i was speaking in tongues apostle paul also says when you pray in tongues or when you sing in tongues your mind is unfruitful which is also a reason why it is very normal to be distracted while being in tongues have you had this you can be speaking in tongues while watching netflix yeah i i've i've seen them i'm completely doing something else and i'm speaking in tongues and the two things don't seem to be connected to each other the mind is unfruitful when you're speaking in tongues but then if you say lord i now this i'm not just speaking in tongues for my private benefit just a minute i'm not just speaking in tongues for my private benefit i'm also speaking in tongues for me to uh to receive something for the sister that i'm praying for i need to give some help some information to this person so so please teach me something give me something show me something you will see that if you're if you're a genuine student of the holy spirit and you start speaking in tongues intentionally you will see visions being flooded into your into your mind as soon as you start speaking in tongues you will see brand new information come into your head it is not guesswork it's not guesswork it's just it's coming you will see um scriptures popping into your spirit it may not make sense to you at that time but it is the lord speaking to you okay so so when when you speak in tongues in spite of your mind being unfruitful if you train your mind to listen to pay attention to hear what the lord is saying then you you can really do great wonders through that you know power of speaking in tongues i hope that makes sense is it your question is about speaking in tongues yes it's about speaking in tongues okay ask how, how do you how is your mind uh, untruthful if since speaking is in tongues is a good thing uh-huh. then how is your mind unfruitful see when i say the mind is unfruitful see this is what i mean by saying i have to translate it because you guys understood what i mean by saying mind is unfruitful because i am putting a scripture but it didn't make sense to him see i'll explain to you what i mean by saying mind is unfruitful what i mean is that your mind is not understanding what you're speaking or your mind is not connected to what you're speaking so i can be constantly speaking in tongues while my mind is focused on something else like in my mind i'd be thinking about oh i have to go home and eat a sharma 
and I'll be speaking in tongues. I'll be saying, okay, I, I have to meet so-and-so person after this, but I'll be speaking in tongues. So that's what Paul, Apostle Paul, this is in the Bible, by the way, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 or 14. This is in chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where Apostle Paul says, when we pray in tongues, your, or when you speak in tongues, your mind is not fruitful. Or meaning to say, your mind is not engaged right now with the information that you are, you are releasing through your mouth. So it is very possible that your mind and your mouth can be in two different thought process. There are two different things that is happening, one in your mind, one in your mouth. Uh, that is very possible. Uh, and Apostle Paul is saying that when you speak in tongues, that is true hundred times. However, the reverse is also true, where when you're speaking in tongues, you can ask the Lord, now fill my mind with spiritual thoughts. Fill my mind with these questions that I'm asking you. Fill my mind with visions, with revelations, with understanding, with scriptures that is going to give me more perspective. Now fill my mind and, and my environment. Amen? Uh, Anna, would you, I, I know you wanted to ask a question sometime back. Yes. So thank you, Easy. First, it is a follow-up question according to Easy. So my question is like uh, once you are born again, and still you fell into some kind of sin. And uh, how do, um, will God forgive for that things or not? Will that person be forgiven once he is born again, but still that person commits sin? And my second question is, like many of the people they have asked me, like uh, we have committed, yeah, it is a follow up to that question only. Like we have committed sin after born again. So can we take baptism one more time? Okay, that's, that's a good question. Will, will God forgive us? The first question is, will God forgive us if we have sinned after being born again? Before being born again, I understand. When we are born again, we... But after being born again, will God forgive us? Absolutely, yes. The reason being that when you are born again, what is happening is not just the wiping away of your past sins. What is happening is your entire life is being placed on the cross. Past, present, and future is being placed at the foot of the cross. So when Jesus forgives you, he has not forgiven you only for the sins that you committed till 2024, January the 17th. When Jesus forgives you, like if somebody were to be born again today, Jesus forgave you not only for the sins committed till 2024, all the sins that were committed all the way back to 1987 and say that you are going to live till 2087, another, you know, let's say you lived for 100 years. The remaining 70, 80 years that you're alive, when this point, when you receive Jesus in your heart, into your life, he has already forgiven you of your entire lifetime of sins. What do you and I do when we fall in sin? Is we take it back to God, 
we confess our sins to the Lord. We say, Lord, I missed the mark this time. Thank you for showing this to me. I, I should have been cleaning, cleaning my house. Or I should have been praying. I missed the mark. I'm sorry about this, Lord. I, I, I was not sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry about this. And I, I repent of my sin. I confess my sin. I open my life back to the Lord. I bring it back to the Lord. And I say, Lord, forgive me one more time. I, I'm not even saying you will forgive me now. I know you've already forgiven me. Because when I was born again, when, when I put my faith in Jesus, you've already forgiven me. Thank you for forgiving. I'm, now what is going to happen is the blood of Jesus, it is going to wash away all my sin. Can we read that scripture? This is 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. I think it's uh, verse 9. Uh, 1 John chapter 1 verse 7, 8, and 9. I know that this is not the direction that some of us thought we will go in, but is it okay if, if we just flow? That's why, that's why these mentorship sessions are supposed to be, I'll come back. We can, we can, we can flow wherever the Lord leads us. Yeah. I'm not going to say, okay, no, this topic is too small or this topic is too big. Let's talk about everything. Yeah. I'll come back next Wednesday. Am I here next Wednesday? Uh, I think I'm here next Wednesday, yes. So I'll, I'll, I'll be back here next Wednesday and we'll continue. But I'd like us to do this week after week. I'm, I'm on, on a point, you see, so I'm going to read this scripture. Um, it's, it's necessary that we understand these spiritual truths. That we understand what God is saying, what God is trying to speak to us. Because our, our foundation is not based on what tradition says. Our foundation is based on what the Lord says. Okay, let's read scripture. Verse, verse uh, 7. Let, let's begin with verse, uh, verse 7. Let's begin with verse 7, okay? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So what do we have to do? We have to walk in the light. Why? Because he is in the light. Two, we need to have fellowship with one another. Which means if there is something that is stopping our fellowship with one another, then we have to get rid of those things so that we can have fellowship with one another. And if we are willing to do these two things, the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from past sins, future sins, or present sins. No, all sins. Knowing sins, sins that are conscious, we are conscious about intentional sins, unintentional sins, sins that have an evil motive behind it, sins that don't have it. All sins can be cleansed when 
we walk in fellowship. All sins can be cleansed when we walk in the light, when we receive the truth. You know what's happening right now as, as I've been teaching the word to you? Light is coming to you. Everything that is hidden, everything that is dark, everything that is covered is, is being exposed. You, you're, you're, you're receiving light. That's why it says, if we walk in the light, now I have brought you the light, now it's up to you. It's your choice if you're going to now walk in the light or you're going to rebel and go the other way. Yeah? If you walk in the light as he is in the light, second, if we have fellowship with one another. So, if you're just walking in the light but you refuse to have fellowship with one another, you're like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm too important to associate with one another. I don't like anchor groups and all, you know. I'm like, you know, I'll just come to church for the two hours and get out of there. I don't want anybody to know me. I don't want to know anybody else. I will not share my prayer request with anybody. I don't want to be accountable about my life. I'll just, you know, me and God, direct connection, no in-betweens. The Bible says your sins will not be forgiven. Did you read this as I'm reading it? What does it say? We have to have fellowship with one another. So do you know when you gather together to eat biryani and you have fellowship, there is laughter, there is joy, there is, there is communion. You know what's happening? It is, your, your sins are being forgiven. In fact, that is why the Bible says whenever you, you eat or drink, you should remember the death of Jesus. You have to remember. You know, we, we just make that one small cup that we have in church on Sunday morning as the most sacred point. In fact, it's not supposed to be only for that small wafer and small cup. The first century church, their communion happened every meal. Did you know that? That is why Paul was complaining, saying, guys, some of you are coming and finishing everybody else's food. If you're so hungry, why don't you eat at home and come? <laughs> he is not talking about a small wafer and like, you know, 10 ml of wine. He is talking about having meal together in church. So if it was us, if it was in our day and time, Paul would say, do you know the biryani represents the body of Jesus? Please don't think this is blasphemous, but he would also say, do you know the coke represents the blood of Jesus? Honestly, that's, I'm just contextualizing it to our day and time. Every meal that we have together, every time we eat together, we fellowship together, it has the power to cleanse our sins because we are proclaiming the body and the blood of Jesus. So the next time you have anchor group, have some good food. You know, you can... Uh, don't put the burden on the person hosting. Every day, you, you know, you, you have to say, okay, I, I'll, I'll bring something to, you know, munch or I'll bring something for everybody to drink and let's have fellowship, okay? It's eating, meeting without eating is cheating. So, you know, let's have some really solid fellowship in church, okay? Yeah, I see all the, all the amazing revelations, nobody clapped, you know. <laughs> I spoke about food, there is so much joy in the house. And so, so, so let's make sure to have fellowship. 
Because that fellowship has the capacity to bring healing. It has the capacity to bring forgiveness. It has the capacity to bring restoration in our hearts, in our relationship with God. Read verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, read it with me. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess, verse 9, but if we confess our sins, then he is faithful and he is just. Somebody say, Lord, we know you are faithful and we know you are just. It says he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Two things happens when we, you know, follow this revelation that is given to us. We walk in the light, we receive the light, we walk in the light, we walk in fellowship, we confess our sin. Instead of saying, we have no sin, I have been perfect all week long. You know, Jesus talked about these two people that came to church. One was a Pharisee. He said, oh, I have tithed, I have fasted, I have, you know, I've been to all the services in church. I've done this. And then there is a tax collector who said, God, I'm not worthy. I've really missed the mark. And Jesus said, the tax collector went home justified, whereas the Pharisee was not. So I hope that when we come into the presence of God, we will not come as Pharisees. We will come like the tax collector saying, Lord, we are in need of your mercy. We are in need of your mercy. If we come and we confess our sins, he is not condemning. He is not the judge sitting there with the AK-47 in his hands. The Bible says he is faithful and he is just. He's faithful and he's just. And he does two things. One, he will forgive us our sins. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, tonight we need forgiveness for our sins. Come on, pray with me everywhere. Don't, don't, don't act holy for a few minutes. Don't act too perfect, too righteous. Just Lord, today I need forgiveness for my sins. There are so many times this last one week that I have missed the mark. Where I have touched things that I should not have touched. Where I have eaten the fruit that was not supposed to be for me. As beautiful as the fruit was, it was not meant for me to eat that. That was not supposed to be my portion. I missed the mark. So will you forgive me my sins? Will you forgive my sins, Lord? We confess our sins today. Confess. We confess our pain. Our hurts, our failures, our weaknesses, our brokenness, we confess them.
the bible says he will forgive us our sins and he will second thing he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness so not only is he saying i will not punish you anymore he's saying every bit of unrighteousness that is there that you're feeling so guilty about i will cleanse you <laughs> I need that. I need that. Every bit of unrighteousness he says he is going to cleanse us. So the blood of Jesus. Oh the blood of Jesus. There is healing in the blood of Jesus. There is healing in the blood of Jesus. There is healing in the blood of Jesus. It washes me white. It has no oh the blood of Jesus oh the blood of Jesus oh the blood of Jesus it washes white as snow. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness and the cleansing that is happening in this place. We thank you for all of our friends and family, our spiritual sons and daughters, all of our churches that are tuned in. I pray that this evening's meal that they have will be a meal of restoration. It will be a meal of redemption. It will be a meal of healing. The cup and the bread, the, the bread and the wine, it will not hurt them. It will bless them. It will bring holiness. It will bring a portion of heaven into their home. Thank you, Lord, for moving in this place. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord, for filling us afresh with this grace of forgiveness, this grace of cleansing. We receive this healing power. We receive this healing strength. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>